0: Hello and welcome to the Weird Waves podcast. My name is Taylor and this is episode 23. This is our last episode of 2019 and I just wanted to take the time from Andre and I to thank everybody who's been listening. This has been one of the coolest things we have ever done together. It's... Just really turned into something we couldn't have expected. So thank you everybody who has liked, commented, shared. Let us know your feedback and listened. It's just... Really, really awesome. On this week's episode, we talk to Kirk Gagliardo. He is a surfer originally from Lake Michigan, and he now lives in Arizona, and he runs Landlocked Surfing. This is a great episode. We talk about family, about moving, how to run your business, how to switch gears when something changes in your business. And yeah, I really hope that you guys enjoy this week's episode and have an awesome New Year's. We are recording.
1: Awesome.
2: And your your sound sounds good. So good. So how good. are you?
1: <laughs> I'm doing good. We're we're in week three of a newborn and a three year old under okay. the same row so, in the trenches right now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's, it's it's awesome. It's so much fun. It's so cool. All life changes. It's just the realities of. You know, no sleep, and then waking up to your three-year-old. What are we doing today? You know, like all right, <laughs> right let's let's figure out how to make this happen again. <laughs> Every day, you know? So it's uh it's it's an adjustment for sure, and like I took a new role at my at my real job um, at work too. So I'm learning a lot of new things all the way around. So it's a crazy well, time, but a good time.
2: This is an interesting time to re-record. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And then you got the holidays. We have, we live in the warm location, right? So all the Midwest family is coming out by us. So they're starting to come in today. They're flying in later today. So you're like, yo, like, let's do it tomorrow. I'm like, if we don't do it today, like it's not happening. (laughs) So I'm glad we were able to connect.
2: (laughs) Me too. Me too. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure um, that it was going to work out, but this is great. This is totally great. So let's start at the beginning. Yeah. Who are you?
1: Yeah. So Kirk Agliardo, I grew up uh, in Wadsworth, Illinois, so just south of the Wisconsin border, close to Lake Michigan. Um I was a swimmer all the way through. Um, all the way through college. So, but uh, along that path, like water's always been a part of my life. And then uh, growing up on Lake Michigan in Michigan in the summers, was always the place where we experienced uh the lake the most uh New Buffalo, Michigan, just north of there is a small town called Sawyer um and that's where my family has their home of built in nineteen hundred so kind of just the family landing spot for wherever you're at in the world in the summer, you can always come back there and see everybody, which is really cool, so growing up in that situation, uh on the lake, always loving the water in some way, whatever it was, condition wise, like you wake up every day go to the water's edge and, all right, cool, it's calm today, so we're going to find someone who has a boat and try to wakeboard. If it's choppy, we're going to try to skimboard. If it's pumping, we're going to try to surf. So um, in the Midwest, you don't get too many good days (laughs) in terms of warm weather and sun combinations. So uh, growing up at that time, like, you just live live for it every single time, fighting through the winters to get to summer so that, um, you know, you can just experience the lake in a different way every single day. So that's me, you know, in a nutshell. And now after after college in Pennsylvania, uh we moved out to Arizona and now we're uh hanging out here in the forever sunshine, which is awesome cuz I was done shoveling. So gave that <laughs> to life.
2: Yeah, that's just starting for us now here.
1: Uh, yeah.
2: <laughs> it's been pretty mild actually considering mm-hmm. um but yeah, uh, we just came back from Key West, so it's hitting a little bit harder than it usually does.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. You, you got to do Key West thing like in the middle towards the end. So at I least know. you have something to look forward to. <laughs> Blew your wad way too
2: early. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, you know, we're lucky. We have another, they're both for weddings. We have another awesome trip coming up. So that's all good. And I don't, I don't mind snow, but if you get sick of it, I can understand moving away. Um, I, I totally get it. So how did you get involved in surfing? Um, when, when did that first start for you?
1: Yeah, I would say probably eighth grade. Um, I, I'd always skimboarded growing up. That was my thing. Absolutely loved skimboarding. Um, boards every year, making my own boards. Uh my dad made me my first skim board out of plywood. Um we used to go to Florida all the time too. He said Key West. My my grandparents had a place in Key Largo. So we would go down there and see all the the ocean skim boarders and I thought that was the coolest thing. Starting on the beach, running down, snagging a wave and coming back in. Uh at the time money was a bit tight, so those boards were pretty expensive and even more expensive now. So um my dad's pretty handy so he we got to customize them, polyurethane, plywood, everything. And uh, that was how we lived every single summer, boarding nonstop. And then eventually, just from being close to the lake, you would see that, you know, there'd be some older guys out in the water when it was super wavy surfing. I always thought that was really cool, just never had a surfboard. So uh, my older cousin uh, left one up in Michigan, and uh, we started experimenting on that and uh, just found that surfing on the lake was possible. Just seeing that there was a whole crew of guys out surfing on Lake Michigan, that was like eighth grade for me, just made it possible in our minds. We just kind of followed suit with them. And it's still funny that like people don't think you can surf on a lake. I feel like it's been a thing for a long time now, <laughs> but um, it, it's still pretty cool. I mean, every time you see a photo of an overhead wave on the lake, on Instagram, on the internet, wherever it is, like it's still, it's still incredible to see. So. um, from that time on, you know, uh, I, I believe right around that time, Ryan Gerard was starting up Third Coast Surf Shop. And, uh, you know, he always carried skin boards and surfboards and stuff. So that that ended up being the hub of, you know, getting the boards, tapping into the community and uh, just just seeing how many people were actually taking advantage of the lake in that way and surfing. And, um, yeah, it's just it's, it's always stuck with me since then and just been a part of my life. And every time anywhere I am in the world, um, it's always been the type of fun I've been trying to score, you know? So being in Arizona now, like don't exactly have an ocean close or a large body of water that creates waves. So you kind of have to get real creative and uh, find new waves, um, waves and ways to, to find that type of fun. So um, the good thing is if you really uh, get too out of the loop or start missing surf surfing enough you could just drive five hours west and hit the coast. So you could always get your fix that way.
2: And um what kind of surfing are is going on in Arizona? Like what kind of stuff are you
1: Yeah. So I mean it depends on how you define surfing, but I'm just trying to have fun in the water. So a lot of people out here have the the wake boats, you know, they're out here trying to surf behind the wake. Um competitions happen out here all the time. We actually have the Current world champion, uh, Connor Burns, out here, surf style wake surfer in Arizona, uh, two years in a row now. So, that combined with stand up paddle boarding, there's a, a whole network of, of lakes surrounding the city of Phoenix. Absolutely beautiful within driving distance. So, if you're just trying to get on a board and paddle around and get some incredible scenery, like you can tap into a lot of those things. So, um, like I said, it depends on how you define it, but in my mind, as long as you're having fun on the water and a boards involved, like it's basically surfing, so that's my take.
2: Yeah, I would agree. How how would you compare the wake surfing to surfing on the lake or anywhere else? Uh,
1: l- I learned how to surf on Lake Michigan, so surfing on Lake Michigan is different from surfing in the ocean, just because of like the buoyancy, mm-hmm. the power of the wave, the size of the wave um, is way different. So, I, and by the time I had tried wake surfing, i had done both so i figured i was pretty proficient balanced and coordinated then all of a sudden i try wake surfing i was absolutely awful at it so i don't think there's much much translation other than like it appears like it's surfing but it's a whole new learning curve in terms of where the power of the wave comes every boat has a different uh hull that produces a different wave in a different way in terms of where the power comes from um so it's it's a completely different learning curve same thing with like Flow riders, you know, those waves where the water just, like, gets pumped over a hump. I thought that would be, you know, similar enough to where you could hop on there as a surfer and just say, yeah, let's go ahead and make this happen. Like, I still haven't mastered that. So, (laughs) get on there and just get tossed every single time if you're ever on a cruise or, you know, a couple of those are up in the northeast, um, those wave pools, uh, those flow riders. So, yeah, I would say wake surfing, it's a learning curve for sure. It's a lot of fun. Um, but it's, it's just like anything else. You got to put your time in, you got to get the balance down and, uh, it's, it's all about time on the water for sure.
2: And the boards are totally different too, right?
1: Yeah. I would say that, yeah, the, the board shape is completely moved away from just like, oh, let's just grab our ocean style surfboard or, uh, the surfboard we have in our garage and just throw it behind the boat. Uh, I've seen some people. Doing longboards behind boats, I think that's fun to keep the cross-stepping thing going. Oh, and, you know, that's, that's cool. That is really sweet. But if you're looking to do anything technical um, and, and the board has two fins, which is considered like a surf-style uh, surfboard um, from a competition standpoint, they're completely different. Way shorter, uh, not as wide. Um, rails are completely different. This The fins are farther forward. And uh, yeah, when I first got on one, it was it was very foreign, um, but it, it's they're built to to fit the the shorter, steeper wake of the boat um, in order to have more control.
2: And they just have tail pads, right? It's a, I, well, not tail pads, but I've seen them with um, I have very limited experience with wake surfing. Yeah. Um, so all I've seen is the. There's like a tail pad and then the deck pad. Is that pretty common or?
1: I would say there's usually the tail pad. I don't see too many people just rocking wax out there. Um, okay. It's kind of hybrid of like what, what a skin boarder would have on their deck. Um, I've seen like the straight front pad. It depends on your preference. So A lot of the pros just have the back pad and then wax in the front. Maybe even uh, like a skin, you know, like the wax skin on the front. So they could take it off and put it back on with uh, just to be as sticky as possible. Um, so all of these guys are throwing crazy stuff, you know, uh, big spins like out the wazoo, you know, landing backwards, spinning, recovering. Uh, they want that board to be as sticky as possible. Um, but if you're just out there riding around doing some turns, like I have a front pad and a back pad because I just don't want to mess with wax because I'm not out there trying to do anything too crazy. Um, <laughs> I want to get the board out of the bag and go.
2: Yeah. And um, how are you, this sounds probably silly, but are you getting towed? Are you starting with like a tow rope or are you like in the water paddling and then the wave picks you up?
1: Yeah, there's some videos circle around the internet where like people will be just in the lake and a boat comes past and they paddle into it. I've seen them do that before, but typically you have a shorter rope. You're starting similar to as if you're wakeboarding, um, getting up right behind the boat and then once the wave kind of forms, you just toss the rope back into the boat and you're going from there and the wake is just pushing you. And at that point, you know, you're surfing. So cool. Yeah. It's a lot of fun.
2: And how long have you been in Arizona?
1: 2013. Okay. It's been a minute now. Uh, when I first moved out, I absolutely hated it. Like it was awful. Like I, I was in Chicago. I think I came out in, February. So by that time it was like full on winter, right? Move out here in February and you know, it's it's beautiful in Arizona, but it's starting to get warmer and then all of a sudden summer hits and you're just inside in the summer. And for me, I'd been fighting for summer my whole life. You know, it's through the winter, you look towards summer and you take full advantage of it. Whereas in that situation, I moved out to Arizona after being inside for a number of months already. And then I just stayed inside all the way through the summer in Arizona. And by the end of that, I was so stir crazy. I couldn't find anything fun to do that I like to do. because I was a water person living in the desert. And I was like, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Um, but, but after that, I realized like, you just kind of adjust how, you know, your expectations. And then once that those summer, two, three months are over, like you have the whole year to take advantage of the elements out here. It's absolutely beautiful. You can be on the lake year round. Uh you can choose to go up north 2 hours and you can ski uh on the mountains or you can head like I said out west 5 hours and so you can hit the coast to surf. So I just love the location. And um and like I said the it's just a complete change of terrain scape uh landscape and everything from what I'm used to, you know, flat corn, cold, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I absolutely love the contrast.
2: What made you go to Arizona in the first place?
1: Uh a girl. Yeah. So my current wife uh was out here. So we met in college uh in Pennsylvania. It's a small school called Grove Grove City, about an hour north of Pittsburgh. That was actually my first river surfing experience. Um and as my like my claim to fame so far in terms of like life goals. We're in now, in the school handbook, there for no surfing on Wolf Creek, which is really cool. So, that's fun.
2: <laughs> so, they made uh, so, a rule?
1: Yep, 100%. We tied a rope to the bridge going across Wolf Creek, which went through campus, started surfing. Um, the flow wasn't high enough to be able to let go, but there was a little rapid you can kind of do some carves on and 360s. We had our skim boards and one board with some fins, but um eventually campus safety came down and they're on the bridge watching us for like two hours and then they came down after that and they're like listen guys like we've been watching you in the booth we have you on video we were watching on the on the uh the cameras here uh there's no official rule about this yet but we're gonna have to ask you to stop <laughs> but, but this is really cool but it's really cool we really really commend you guys on this. So soon after that, it was a no go. But um, yeah, that was my first river surfing experience. And that's what kind of stuck with me uh, to eventually start landlocked surfing. Um, But yeah, that was a lot of fun. It's cool that that's still in the handbook. And uh, after that, after that, it was like eight months of working in Chicago doing distance with my, uh, with my fiance. And it was just like, you know what, I'm over this. She didn't, we kind of decided that Arizona was the spot that worked for both of us, so I quit my job and moved out to Arizona in 2013. Uh, got a job out here, and we've we've been loving it ever since.
2: And how did you start landlocked surfing?
1: Yeah, so that was um, that was a college project. Uh, I graduated college in 2012, so it would have been like 2010. I had the idea, um, and it was supposed to be more of a focus on surf park technology um to where it would be like a website that would index all the companies that are out there trying to push the wave pool thing forward because that was before kelly slater's um you know debut with his uh, surf ranch um a lot of the components and tech that was out there was um, conceptual and i wanted to kind of pull all that together in a place where the the surf geek like myself um could, could go and just kind of see the progress, you know, of all these companies fighting for coming out with the, you know, the first surfable, rideable surf park essentially. Um, so that was my project in school. Did that for about two years. And after I graduated, it was hard to keep it going because there was another, another um, news outlet that kind of took over as a little bit more um, credible. I would say it was surf park central kind of took that idea and ran with it and hats off to them uh, because they did a way better job than me. Um, But I just kind of took the took the name and eventually kind of rebranded it as more of just a community of people that love to surf outside of the ocean. Because um, I just wanted to celebrate people uh, that were doing that in the world. I was like, I know there's got to be more people like me who grew up in Chicago, had never been to California before he learned how to surf. And just ended up loving surfing more than anything and just having that feeling, but really never truly living by a coast. You know, sometimes it doesn't happen for everybody. And if they did grow up surfing on a coast, the reality of life sometimes happens where you have to move for family, that kind of thing. So that feeling stays with you no matter where you go. So wherever you're at, where are you going to find those activities that kind of scratch that itch in terms of the feeling you get when surfing? So you got to be creative. And I just wanted to have uh, a community that celebrated those activities as opposed to just being like clickbait in surfer magazine i want i wanted it to be more of the main thing um because there's a lot of people out there doing it and it's clear based off the growth we've seen uh, in terms of just people sending in images and having fun in the water in different ways so it's it's really cool to see how it grew naturally and uh and i don't have to write as many technical um pages on surf park technology i just get to you know sit back and watch it go and be a part of the community as well and just be excited for the future because i think there's some cool things around the corner in terms of surf parks being everywhere you know in texas there's two of them uh there's talk of one in arizona going up here soon and gilbert uh things in the east coast as well so we live in a crazy time and it's just really cool to see that people are excited about it
2: Yeah, it is. It is a really interesting time. I'm curious how you made the switch from something so technical to a, like you said, a community. Did it happen gradually, the shift, or did you make a conscious effort to change that?
1: I think it it was a combination of seeing that like other outlets, like, for example, like like I said, Surf Park Central. There's another one. It's called uh, Wave Pool Mag. Uh, kind of took the torch and started doing it better than me. Because honestly, I was, I'm was i not really a writer. I'm not really that good at it. Uh, it was kind of the realities of life setting in, seeing that other people can take things and run with it, um, and just being okay with it. And also, too, at that time, I was going through, you know, out of college, struggling to find a job, pay student loans, all those things. So it was really hard to focus on it because it was the passion project, you know, and I had to pay the bills. Uh, and also trying to figure out how to get married and move across the country. So. It kind of just took a backseat. By the time I got settled back into my new life in Arizona, um, I just still had the name in the back of my head. And, you know, how could I make this something that's meaningful? Um, And it just seemed like the natural shift to where it needed to be because, you know, uh, in in the world of surfing, you know, river surfing isn't exactly, uh, it's growing. But like I said, it's been like the clickbait thing uh, to get people to, to you know, click on their, their, their new medium to eventually read more about ocean surfing, but Hey, look, this is crazy guy surfing on a river. You know, uh, why, why can't surfing a river be the main thing? You know, why can't, uh, wake surfing be the main thing? And I'm not saying it needs to be on the same level as surfing, but people are still out there having fun, you know? And that's why I don't really, discriminate in terms of if someone tags landlocked surfing and it's like a non-professional photo but it's the first time they they mention us like i'm gonna share that photo because it's somebody who's trying to break in and just have a good time so i just want it to be real and i think there are a lot of real people out there just trying to have a good time on the water outside of the ocean so like i said i think that was just a natural progression variables at play in my life and now i just get to be a part of it and, uh, you know, see what people are doing, keep my creativity going too. Cause it's cool just to just be the ambassador of that community. Cause I can kind of get to see what everyone's doing and it's just fun to be a part of it.
2: How did you grow the brand or the page?
1: Yeah. Um, marketing is my background. That's what I went to school for. Um, at that time in college, it was all about Facebook. Like how do you effectively market on Facebook? And by the time I decided to like reignite landlocked surfing, um, it was Instagram, and I I, I knew nothing about it. Um, so I, I just knew that what I wanted to do was inherently visual in terms of the content that would be shared. Um, so it was really just an experiment, honestly, learn as I went, and it just came down to consistency over time is how the growth happened in terms of um, how often are you posting. What kind of content are you posting? Is it engaging? Are people responding to it? Is there conversation that's happening? How are you framing your questions? How are you posting your images? Um, and in the beginning, I was posting two to three times a day. Um, and that seemed to foster the most amount of growth just because of that level of content and consistency going out into the world. Uh, the more conversation that you, um, that you generate the more it gets in front of people's eyes. So um, I think the natural side of that is people are genuinely interested in these kind of sports, these kind of activities, just because they've always kind of been behind the veil of surfing in the ocean, um, kind of overshadowed in that way. So just having a page where those things were the main thing and people in rural areas doing fun things like surf, you know, skimboarding in a puddle, You know, during uh, a flood or something like that, you know, being being shared and just genuinely having a good time talking about it um, was meaningful to a lot of people. So I think that had a lot to do with it. But I think in terms of growth from my side, it was about consistency posting over time and just sticking to a schedule with it. And much like like you're doing with your podcast, (laughs) we are on it with posting every week. So I commend you. Hats off to that. That That's not an easy thing. I know all about that.
2: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. If you, the thing is, is that if you put it out there, um, it makes you be accountable. Yeah. So it kind of makes it easy in a weird way. Like I know no matter what happens my whole week and Andre's whole week, Monday at five o'clock Indiana time, we are posting a podcast.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's gotta be like people, people count on it, you know, whatever you commit to. And then, and then the moment you miss it, they sniff it out and they're like, Oh, they don't, it was just a blip on the radar. It wasn't really a thing, like cool experiment, whatever on the next thing. But if you, if you put it out there and you stay, you stay with it, that's where the growth comes from. And I think you're seeing that, which is really cool. So, like I said, hats off to you. It's not easy to produce quality stuff like you're doing. Um, and I'm really I'm honored to to even be on here. This is really, really cool.
2: Thank you. Well, it's an honor to have you, too, because um, I said this last time we talked, which obviously who's ever listening to this? We tried this once before. Somehow it didn't record. And then he yeah, had yeah. to have his wife had a baby and all this
0: stuff happened <laughs> so,
1: yeah just, you know just a casual two hour conversation <laughs> that didn't get recorded so apologies <laughs> if it's like we're trying not to make it seem like this is rehearsed or anything but we did have a first go around so. yeah
0: I think it was it
2: was like it was 40 minutes I think
1: okay okay I th- yeah
2: I think we recorded half of it I have half right. of the, half of the first one but
1: right but um, then we kept talking like we know yeah. long off the record too <laughs> it, it's all good though so
2: i um the first thing for me when i came to the states or came uh to lake michigan in the surf shop was landlock surfing when you look up great lake surfing or when you look up any kind of non-traditional surfing i really feel like the landlocks is where you go and it kind of makes you feel proud because you see all these different types of people that are also surfing in this non traditional way and it's just really interesting and cool.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Uh it's it's I'm every week, every month there's something that is slightly different that I see. And and those are the things that I try to share. Um but yeah, there's there that's what's cool about getting this many people together. Like people are so creative. You know, so just having a space where that is celebrated is is awesome and um and it it keeps me going because you know life changes you can't always be doing the the the, you know it's hard to escape to the lake when you have a young family you know so when when i see someone out there being creative doing something new that gets me excited and i love celebrating people so um like i said it's it's an honor to that this even turned into anything and still i have to pinch myself um every once in a while as well, but it's, it's cool just to, to be able to see the joy that other people are having, even when they're not, you know, surfing the ocean. So yeah, it's really, really cool to see.
2: How do you balance this with your quote unquote real job or your, (laughs) your big guy (laughs) job?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's not easy, honestly. Um, I would say in the past six months, like I've, my consistency has fallen off with lock surfing and I'm trying not to, to let that fully happen. But, um, as long as the frequency is consistent, I think that's the most important thing. Like I said, in the beginning, it was like two, three posts a day. And now we're down to, you know, my, the goal is one a day, but the reality is life takes over sometimes. So I think we're at like four a week kind of thing. So, um, that that just means the growth is smaller, but at the same time, as long as I'm more about uh quality over quantity and the the people who have been following the page for a long time like that's what they expect too so um I'm okay with it i haven't had any pushback from any of the followers so um it like i said it's hard and it it it's fluid with how um the week's going right now <laughs> week to week with with the newborn so uh I'll get back to you in six months. How about that? Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: how the balance is going. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a bit sporadic right now.
2: <laughs> and what all does the landlock surfing brand or identity and what does that consist of? Like in inside of the business?
1: Yeah. Um, at, at first, it was really just, like I said, an experiment of how, how can we foster this community? How can we connect these people? Um, I really didn't have much aspirations in terms of selling anything. Um, That kind of happened as a result of people just asking for it. So I was like, okay, cool. I guess you guys want shirts. We'll we'll put together some shirts because that just adds to the identity. Like if you have a group of people in Iowa surfing every single week you know those people are super tight and it's kind of like their jersey so it's it, that, it, that's how that kind of came about and i learned a lot of lessons in terms of sourcing materials buying quantities you know storing inventory all this stuff and uh eventually i moved more towards like a fulfillment center type situation to where like if an order happens like it, it gets printed and made on the spot and mailed out so i don't really have to touch much of that which is awesome because it's it's it, there's not a lot of people working on this. <laughs> it's it's, it's <laughs> as close to a one man show as, as there is. So I had to find a way to balance that um, so that that part was just happening if people wanted it. Um, I'm not exactly making much money at all off this community in any way. And I'm not trying to be the figurehead necessarily. I'd rather celebrate people and have it work outside of me uh, because it's not like people are going to stop enjoying Surfing outside of the ocean, like it's going to be a thing forever. So uh, you know, if at some point I can't do this anymore, I would love to just be able to hand it off to somebody to take the torch and continue it because it's obviously bringing a lot of people joy, um and they can kind of decide what to do with it from there. But like I said, with with the balance, that was a component of it. Like I, I it got to a point where I couldn't store six hundred shirts and and run to the post office every day. That kind of thing, you know. Um, And you end up taking a bath if you, if you buy wrong, you know, in the wrong quantities. So I didn't want to do that. That's not who I am. Um, I didn't want to add that to my plate. So um, like I said, now it's something that if, if someone wants it, it's available. Um, But at at this point, it's more about just celebrating the people out there doing the fun things and being you know, kind enough to share it.
2: Yeah. And I would imagine it would be lots of different inventory in a bunch of different sizes because you have so many oh. states right
1: yeah that was the thing like how do we have you know <laughs> 60 different SKUs? like how are you gonna do that to have different color preferences different sizes like if someone needs an extra small and they want a Nevada shirt like how are you gonna say yeah we have that like I didn't want anybody to be left out when they go to the page I wanted it to be you know if, if, if you lived in that area and you happen to be the person who is out making it happen like surfing lake tahoe or something like that um and and getting a shirt was important to you i wanted it to be available so it was really important to me to find like a fulfillment type partner and i'm and i'm glad it it worked out super well um because now i don't have to worry about buying in bulk you know it's it's just there and available and if they want it they could have it if not i'm gonna keep posting because i love it and uh that's that's where it's at right now.
2: Uh, how does the ambassador work? The ambassador program, or
1: for sure, um, that kind of came out of necessity as well. In terms of like, I'm only one guy, and I, I, I don't want to claim to know everything or pretend to be the expert. Um, so what it came down to is just over the course of you know um, posting what other people are doing, you start to you start to get to know people who are out there doing it the most and then you just start messaging them and talking with them it came apparent that like man if people choose or if people want to so sorry um they can they can kind of be that point of contact for that specific area it's not like those people are on the payroll or anything like that they're just out doing their thing and they love helping people as well so um we just needed to have a point person for example um Tommy in Wisconsin i think you had him on um talking about Sheboygan surf culture and what he's been able to do up there. Like anytime anyone asks about surfing in Wisconsin, I just put him in a group chat with Tommy. You know, same thing with scoring surf in Pennsylvania and wake surfing on the lakes up there. Um, hook him up with Adrian. So it's really just about having a person that we knew in the area that had the same passion and values and basically saying, Hey, if I ever get a question about finding a wave in a specific area, are you cool with fielding some questions? you know, so it was, it's as low key as that. And I didn't want them to have to feel the pressure of selling anything. Cause that's not what it's about. So I didn't exactly give it a, I had to give them, give it some name in order for people to kind of connect with what they were there for. So that's where the, the community leader tag came from. I would say, I didn't want it to be like a brand ambassador. Cause I feel like that terms kind of played out in the social media world. Um, so I just wanted people to be resources and be willing to share. And it's a lot different when, let's say, someone moves from Hawaii and all of a sudden they're in Idaho um, and they're trying to learn how to river surf. If you connect them with someone in the area, it's a lot different of an experience when you get to meet someone at the wave and they get to tell you about how it works, the different flows, the different times, the different ways, the different boards to use, uh, as opposed to you just getting there and being by yourself. and. Is it okay for me to be here? Is there like a culture of like locals only? Like it's, it's important to know those variables, you know, so you can tap into the community in the appropriate way. Um, so it's important to have those people who are actually knowledgeable of those details.
2: Absolutely. And, and then you'll, you'll get more people uh, enjoying the sport in odd places, odd, quote unquote, but right. different, different types of places.
1: For sure. Yeah, that's awesome. really what it that's really what it came from. And it's just, you know, it's cool. You just end up having friends you never knew were there and it's 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 weird cuz I haven't met a lot of them personally, but it's it's the age we live in, you know? Like everyone's got families, everyone's got jobs and things that they have to do as well. So life happens and I always say like if, if anyone wants to come visit me in Arizona, they get sick of the weather and they want to come out and experience what we do out here, happy to accommodate. Um, But do your thing in your spot, like be happy where you're at. You know, I feel like that's super important.
2: Yeah. And it's the surfing in the unconventional places, I think, has played such a role in people being able to be happy and comfortable where they're at. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I hear those stories all the time.
1: Yeah, I'm 100 percent on board with that. Um, It's joy is so such a huge important part of my life and and that's why like even when i can't do those activities in the water like i still have it you know i'm i, I try to be content where i'm at no matter where i am no matter what season it is um it's cool like i said to be a part of this community and the way that i am because i get to see it all so that's fun but even if that wasn't there you know we still have to find ways to to maintain that level of content and uh I, I feel like I have it. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's easy all the time. Like seasons of life happen where it's more difficult to have it. But um, having the community around you definitely fosters it. And uh, it's, it's really cool that social media can have the ability to do it. And that's what we're trying to foster with Landlock Surfing.
2: Is that why you are hard to find you as a person (laughs) because (laughs) if if you go through your actual page you don't you see everybody but yourself is what it looks like to me
1: yeah um yeah and we said this on the last time we tried like uh, when you reached out it was it was hard for me to say yes like I went back and forth on it for like two weeks (laughs) if I wanted to even chat about it because I'm just not that guy um i don't feel like i need to be the face i don't feel like it needs to have a face you know i feel like as as long as it's um the 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 focus is is people having fun uh, that's in the water that's the main thing and uh, i don't feel like i need to be uh all right cool ceo or president whatever title you want to give like it's just so not the main deal and like i said i want to operate outside of me so that if and when it needs to be handed off it doesn't die because of the personality of the founder necessarily it, it lives because of the passion of the people um participating so that's my focus with it um yeah so and, and also i try to keep my social media presence really private honestly i'm not posting a lot and i think it's because i post to landlock surfing i kind of <laughs> that's 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 my focus in terms of how i use it as a tool to get those images out there to help people feel the joy and the level of connection um, but in terms of like me and my family, like we have private uh photo sharing albums that we pass back and forth, you know, those are things that are for us. And um my my personal Instagram or or Facebook account is uh, a way for people to message me. Like you were able to find me, which is awesome. Um, but I'm not, you know, posting two to three times a day on those things for everybody to see and for, you know, self promotion or anything like that. That's not really who I am.
2: It's just so interesting that you've created something that will be or can be kind of self-sustaining. I just think it's really smart.
1: Yeah. and, And that was when I first started to formulate the idea of how to make this work, like switching from that, like that technical surf park technology resource to just how does this, how to foster a community in this way. Like a lot of people will say, like, there needs to be a figurehead. There needs to be a person leading the charge. And I'm not saying I'm trying to prove them wrong. I just didn't want to do that. So it's it's cool that the the following is growing. It's not like it's at you know two million followers or anything like that. It's a pretty modest page, I would say, but it's 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 enough to where people clearly like it, you know. And if they don't like it, they unfollowed it, and that's fine. Um, but there's enough people engaging with it to where it keeps me going, and that's that's what that's what's important to me.
2: What have you seen that helps or maybe doesn't help legitimize the unconventional surfer?
1: Um, hmm, That's a really good question. I would say like within circles of, of these different types of surfing, there's still divisiveness in terms of, you know, uh, who started what, um, where it came from, what the origins were. Um, is it relevant? Is it not, are they doing it the right way or not? You know? So I think like as long as, and that exists in many other things outside of surfing, but as, if that, as long as that divisiveness exists and that's obviously in a small number, but with Instagram or Facebook or social media in general, like usually the person who is yelling the loudest gets heard. So, um, is if that conti- if that's perpetuating like people t- tend to tune it out i would say so i don't know if that is like a big problem i wouldn't say necessarily that it is and i don't want to you know say any names or anything like that um but if if, if something is being diminished it's probably for reasons like that because at the end of the day i just try to keep it in perspective like we're just having fun in the water you know
2: mm-hmm. and
1: where that water is like what what are the rules? You know, um, and and to help accommodate that, like we were talking about before, it's, you know, that's why the community leaders are there. If you truly care or if you want to know, like they're available, if not, like go have fun. And I I believe we learn by failing. So just be willing to fail and learn and be respectful of one another. And it all will work out.
2: Do you want to teach your daughters how to surf?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. No matter what it is, (laughs) no matter what it is, Um, no matter where we're at. Uh, in some way, if it's even just skateboarding, like Ellie will pick up skateboard and, you know, go down the drive with me at three. So it's really fun to see that the balance is there and I don't try to force anything. Um, I just try to let her have fun with whatever she's doing. So if that eventually leads to surfing, that'd be great. Cause I'd love to do that with her, uh, and Mia too. So, um, over time we'll see how it goes, but, uh, I just want them to have fun, whatever they're doing.
2: <laughs> Are you traveling for surfing at all
1: uh no no not right now um i would i would love to more honestly having uh a lot of connections and a lot of different areas to surf in places that people typically don't it's just the realities of you know having a family and buying four plane tickets is, is. <laughs> so in the future. I think it'll be like a season of life thing, like over time down the line. Like it'd be really cool to line up a surf, like a fully non-traditional surf trip. I know that, uh, uh, there was just a, a Vans, uh, mini documentary that came out that, uh, I can't remember the surfers that went through and did it, but where that was the main focus is just surfing waves that aren't the ocean. That was super cool to see. Um, and it'd be fun to do that on my own and just meet up with people that we've networked with along the way. So I would say like years in the future, that's a bucket list item for me.
2: That's an awesome idea. That would yeah. be incredible to see.
1: Yeah, we'll see it. We'll see if it gets documented or not. But at the same <laughs> time, like, like I said, I'm pretty private. So, um, I would love just for the people in my life who want to go along for the journey are, are with me on that. That'd be really fun.
2: Have you done any surf trips before?
1: Uh, Yeah. So um, Florida, we would go to Florida a lot, visit my cousins down on the Gulf, uh, travel the east coast of Florida, surf trips to California up and down the coast, uh, southern California. Um, Let's see, east coast, uh, when we were in college in Pennsylvania, you would take the, you know, 14 hour drive, if you saw the swell was good and just roll the dice on getting there. So it's, you know, been sprinkled throughout uh, my surfing tenure, but I don't think you could ever have enough. Um, And like I said, seasonal life wise, when when you're raising little ones, it slows down a little bit. So whenever that season comes back around, there'll be some some new spots on the bucket list for sure.
2: What advice do you have for someone starting either a business or a marketing venture similar to what you started?
1: Uh, it's, I would say the cliche one right off the bat is just don't be afraid to fail, be willing to put yourself out there. And, um, and as long as you're real and genuine with who you are and don't let that change, um, there will be a a group of people that will respect that. There'll be a group of people who are indifferent there are a group of people that won't like it. And that's just the reality of it. So, um, being willing to step through that door and learn who those people are, um, is, is a really hard thing. Because it, it's easy to 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 not do that and just kind of do your thing and um and not not learn about yourself through that process and learn about others as well um, so stepping through that door is, is huge, and then once you do not, not being surprised when when failure happens, you know when you make missteps when uh when you buy the wrong shirts <laughs> when you buy too many uh, the wrong <laughs> color, whatever it may be. Uh, that that example goes across the board so it's and like how do you how do you adapt you know you learn a lot about yourself um stepping through that door and um just and don't be surprised when failure happens and if you see it as an opportunity um you'll end up succeeding uh, for yourself not necessarily in the eyes of the world but um you would have you'll have a moral victory for yourself. And a lot of times that's all that really matters.
2: What is the weirdest wave that you've ever surfed?
1: Mm. I know this is, uh, I I wanted to come up with a different one, but I think going back (laughs) to, to my first river surfing experience where it wasn't even really a, a surfable river or a flow that was even remotely something that a river surfer would say is worth it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> tying a rope to a, uh, to a bridge on, on a college campus and surfing, you know, uh, quote unquote, while, while the campus security guards were watching laughing, you know, surfing on a, on a river wave that wasn't even a river wave. It was a miniature rapid, rapid and a rope from a bridge while <laughs> campus security is, 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 is you know, in awe, but at the same time about to like kick you off campus, you know, that's probably my my favorite weird wave experience so far. Everything else has been finding things, you know, finding things to do on small Arizona lakes that um, is just fun for me and gets my fix uh, while I'm in the desert.
2: And what was your biggest, oh shit moment, like your big scare moment while surfing?
1: Uh there's been moments uh, on like Michigan where you are just overwhelmed with the washing machine effect. And um like I grew up sur- uh swimming my whole life thinking like oh I can handle any situation. But there's been multiple like fall time frame like storms that come through like as the you know as the lakes is turning towards more volatile waves, uh bigger storm systems, that kind of thing where I'd be out there and it it was a mistake to be out there and, and I'd go out by myself, you know, which isn't smart. Um, so I don't necessarily have a specific time, but there were enough times to where, like I know now not to underestimate, underestimate, uh, Lake Michigan at all. And, uh, to take it seriously, have the right equipment, have a, have a buddy be out there, be mindful of, of the conditions, how the weather is changing, um, because it'll, it'll surprise you and you don't, you do not want to be caught uh, on the bad end of that so uh, not to end on a on a low note there but <laughs> it's, uh, uh, don't un- don't underestimate the big lake
2: no i i've always said in a joking and also not joking way that i i believe that there would be less fatalities if they called it an inland ocean instead of a lake Mm-hmm yeah (laughs) there's something about that word lake that makes people
1: just go ah right yeah whatever (laughs) riptides whatever that sign is forget it you know we're here for two days we're going in kind of thing and um like i was a lifeguard all the way through high school through college on the lake Uh, my brothers were as well for the new buffalo police department they had a Uh, there was, there was a young kid that passed away at that time and, um, the beach was closed, red flag, all the things you do, all the things to prep and prepare people, but, um, you got to take it serious, you know? And, uh, yeah, so I, I I think there, there's a lot of education that happens on Lake Michigan. I think, I think, um, people are starting to take notice. I, I think it is better than in the past, which is good, um, but yeah at the same time man like the lake is no joke up there so
2: what is next for you personally and then what is next for landlocked surfing uh
1: i would say for for me as my my kids get older just uh introduce them to these things you know um as as the season becomes right like hopefully foster the love for the water, the love for surfing, you know, and if they latch onto it, great. If not, you know, find what they love and latch onto it. Um, so I'm not going to force it, but I'm just really looking forward to that season. I'm already starting to see it with my three-year-old. So that's really, really fun for me. And that's, that's my primary focus at this point is, uh, is being a good dad. And then for landlocked surfing, uh, once, once, once the, uh, once everything settles down, (laughs) <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, I, it'd be nice to add more community leaders. It'd be nice to build the network so that no matter who, uh, messaged, I would have a resource to share for them, you know, a person to meet a, uh, a buddy to meet up with, uh, to experience her in their area. So that'd be the goal right now. We have like a, a limited version of what it, what it is. Um, and it's cool that that's where we're at, but I think it could be more in terms of, um, the width of uh, you know, the amount of resources we could have for uh for surfing all over the world outside of the ocean. So right now it's mostly the US.
2: And if people want to reach out to you, maybe not you personally, because I know you're pretty private, but (laughs) if they want to reach out to landlock surfing, how can they find that?
1: Yeah, I would say probably just direct messaging me through the page on Instagram. I kind of use that as my personal one. and Honestly, if you want to get in contact with me, that's probably the best one to message me through. So at land underscore locked underscore surfing for Instagram. And then we do have a Facebook page, too, um, but it's mostly Instagram where you'll you'll find everything. So if you just message me there, I'm usually good about responding. I try to always get back and uh, make sure that resources are shared. And um, I'm happy to answer any questions that you guys have.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your new dad schedule <laughs> to <laughs> to talk with me. This was awesome.
1: Anytime. And and I know we talked about it last time, but if if you ever end up in Arizona, let me know and uh we'll we'll show you around.
2: We we certainly will. I have some friends in uh Scottsdale area, so we were actually just talking about it. Maybe if we find some cheap flights, we'll try to get down in that area
1: yeah once the snow starts if you could dig out of the chicagoland area <laughs> uh, i'm happy to accommodate so hopefully we'll see you out west
2: awesome thank you so so much
1: anytime taylor nice talking with you we'll talk you to too later.
0: have a good day bye bye and that was episode 23 i really hope that you guys enjoyed it um if you want to reach out to kirk of course you can follow him at landlocked surfing that's landlocked underscore surfing and Thank you again to all of our sponsors, everyone who's reached out and given us tips and tricks and advice. We hope to keep the podcast running and be even better into 2020. So thank you so much, guys. Happy New Year.